Happy Startup School podcast. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at thehappystartupschool.com or follow us on Twitter at Happy Startups. Startup School podcast. Um, we're on the sofa today. Uh, we're going to be talking about learning communities. Lawrence is off to Brazil at the end of the month, and you're going to be talking to. I'm going to be talking to um, the attendees of an event called Learning Camp, and Learning Camp is basically a learning community. So, Alex, who's behind it, who's written a, written a book about to be published called Learning 3.0, which is, I suppose, introducing a new. Um, I suppose, way of learning, a new methodology for learning. And he asked me to go along there to talk about um, what I think learning communities are and why they're important. And I think the reason that came about was he came to Altitude, which was our event in the Alps back in um, May. And, yeah, that was a week-long, I suppose, retreat where we brought together lots of entrepreneurs, 25 entrepreneurs, to work, play, have some fun. And Alex was... Learn. And learn, obviously, learn. Um... Alex actually used that time to, to finish off his book and saw it as a great kind of benchmark, I suppose, for what a learning community is. So um, what I'm going to be talking about in Brazil is really what a learning community is, what we think is critical to make it a valuable experience for everyone who's participating in it, and how we can look at future models, I suppose, of what learning is. Also, the experience that we've had from running the homeschool yeah. and actually building a, a learning community online. So what's a learning community? <laughs> It's a good place to start. So I think for me, it's um, changing the way you think about learning. Uh, traditionally, you'd think about the teacher who knows it all. You'd think about um, not copying anything because you don't want to uh, see what everyone else is up. Well, you want to see what everyone else is up to, but you don't want to compete. And I think you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. You don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing, and you also don't want to kind of uh, make mistakes. You don't want to feel stupid. And so I think it's changing the way we think about learning in terms of making it more collaborative, looking at it as a way to um, work in groups together um, with a shared interest. Um, so definitely collaboration rather than competition is important. Feeling like you can ask questions even if they're stupid. Yes, which you did a lot of school, <laughs> I seem to remember. So for those of you who don't know, me and Carlos went to school together and Carlos was the, the clever guy sat in the corner always putting his hand up. Um, the I didn't got... understand. <laughs> no one, neither did anyone else, but no one was uh, kind of confident <laughs> enough to put their hand up. So, um, so yeah, Carlos kind of wore most of our math teachers down by the end of it. Um, but it shows he had a learning mindset, growth mindset, and was keen to keep, you know, probing and asking why a lot when most of us just wanted to you get know, out there and go play. Exactly, <laughs> have our ice buns, enjoy the sun. <laughs> Who wants to be inside a hot, sticky classroom? Um, and then he swapped that for a physics lab for five years. Yeah, because I love being out in the sun. Um, that's definitely not... Well, I suppose it was a learning community of sorts. What's that? Your, oh, no. Kind of PhD. See, for me, that's, that's core to what academia is about. It isn't about people just knowing, being really, really clever. I think there is an atmosphere in places like elitist universities like Oxford and Cambridge where you feel like you need to be a genius to survive. And that's probably why you get a lot of suicides in those places because there's so much pressure to look like you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But really, when you get down to it, particularly once you've got past graduate level, everyone know, doesn't know a lot of the stuff. I can remember when I was doing my PhD, I was, do, I was in a room writing a list of all the things I didn't know about physics. And my supervisor came in, he's like super brain box, 
And he looked at my list and he says, you should have seen my list. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's just an example. It's like, we don't know everything. And yeah. it, isn't, it isn't a bad thing to say you don't know it. And it's really about asking people and learning together. That's the key thing is actually and not feeling, af- not feeling afraid to ask stupid questions. It's that classic, the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And also, if you're with people who, who are learning the same kind of thing, mm. or you have the same kind of mindset, or the same vision, or the same kind of view of life, then it might, makes it much easier to, to learn stuff and be, not feel scared to, yeah. to push forward with learning new things and asking silly questions. I think that's one of the key things for me in this new sort of model for learning any learning community should feel safe so you should feel safe to make mistakes safe to ask questions not need not feel the need to always look clever because that just limits your learning really doesn't it um, and particularly with startups is also feeling safe to start, try new things yeah so to be able to feel like you've got a, a community or people around you who will help you take that scary step that first step that you think oh my god I don't know what I'm doing here but I've got people who are going to help me along the way. Well, I know Alex's work um, on Learning 3.0 has kind of evolved from the Agile movement. So, you know, um, Agile started off as a, a way to build software, has now moved into organisational change and just ways to kind of build build organisations but also create any organisation, whether that's a school or a um, business. So, And core to the Agile process is small collaborative teams. Mm-hmm. It's having a group of people who complement each other but exchange information regularly and look at what they're doing, check that they're going in the right direction and then change course if it looks like they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. I think one of the things we found through doing homeschool... So homeschool, for those of you who don't know, is our online programme. Uh, we're on our fourth cohort starting in September. And sign up. Sign up, people. Um, and we've learned a lot from doing that because I think we're trying to explore creating an online learning community, which isn't isn't that easy really because it's um, a different way to deliver content. It's a different like, way to create um, you know these small connections that we talked around or deep connections, but in small groups. And so one thing we've got in our favour, I suppose, is people coming there with a shared interest of pushing their business forward or certainly getting their idea off the ground, but also. Um, a similar set of values so they're interested in doing business differently they're interested in creating a positive impact and so that really helps to create that safe environment we talked about they want Um, to be happy as well as rich yes exactly it's not either or Um, but I think the challenge has always been to create that trust between people where they can openly share ideas where they can um, network with each other and feel they're not just having to again like we talked about earlier look clever you know, yeah. show, be vulnerable well one of the things we do we have a Facebook group uh, and every week we have challenges that people are set bits of homework uh, for want of a better term uh, and they're supposed to post it up online and show what they've done and show it to everyone else and that's that can only happen if you trust everyone around you and you don't feel like you're being judged Yeah. and particularly with the last cohort there was a lot of activity a lot of sharing going on which shows that if you get the culture right and the culture of, in terms of the community that's uh, doing the learning together, then good things can happen and people will progress much quicker because they they can they feel free to share yeah. what they what they're learning. And I think one of the reasons the last cohort was more engaged and I think had better outcomes was because we uh, made it application only, so we curated it and we made sure that everyone who comes in comes in again with the right mindset, with the right willingness to help each other. The same thing, same approach we took to Altitude. We curated who was there, 
we had way more applications than we did spaces. So I think, you know, without it being an elitist event, you want to make sure that everyone who's in that group is, you know, willing to learn and willing to share and not just there to kind of take, I suppose. Well, I think it's, it's also getting away from this idea of mass market. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have one size fits all. Whatever you do has to appeal to everyone. And I think we're, we're not robots. We're not all machines cut out from the same piece of metal. And so there's stuff that we do that will not resonate with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people, just people, and there are people who are going to love what we do. Yeah. And it's better to cater for the people who... who we're like really... Marmite. Yes. Well, I think everyone should be like Marmite. You shouldn't be... A That's case a quote of... for everyone. <laughs> everyone. Everyone should be, should like, be like Marmite. Marmite. You shouldn't have to try and think, you know, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and the first thing they think of was like, how can I, you know, reach the, everyone how in the I world? How can I please everyone? How can I please everyone with my product? Because actually that's the wrong way to go around because you start that way, you please no one. So if you, if you start from a position of where you, by defining mm-hmm. what you believe in, then you get people on board. You know, who would you want to invite to your house? You don't invite everyone. No. So Unless make sure. You're, like your, your kids have posted it on Facebook. <laughs> and it's then, like a flash mob. Yeah, a flash mob, and it gets totally wrecked. So if you don't want your house to get wrecked, only invite people you like. But I think it's one of those things if people don't, if no one hates you, then no one probably loves you either. No. You know, you're, you're not, not creating a stir. No. You're not, you're not connecting with anyone emotionally. And mm-hmm. for every positive emotion, there's going to be someone who has a negative one. Yeah. Um, and if you also, you know, if you think of it, whatever your, even your idea, your, your um, business as a space. Mm-hmm. You want to let people into that space that you get on with. Uh, and if you just let anyone in there, then you don't create any kind of community or any kind of connections. Yeah. So it might feel like we're, let, we're not letting uh, people in. It's actually, we're just making sure the people who were there want to be there. Yeah. And we're not forcing them into the wrong place. And there's a space for them somewhere else. It's yeah. It's not our space. Yeah, it could be Y Combinator. It yeah. could be with Cedars. It could be wherever it is that they, they feel that their values are best met, I think. I think the challenge with Altitude in particular was we had to turn down lots of really, really uh, cool people who were a good fit. I think the challenge we faced was basically um, saying no to good people. And I think we kind of stuck to our original vision for that event. Um, we could have scaled it up, made it much bigger, but actually we wanted a great experience that was memorable for the ones that we said we would commit to. So, yeah, I think that's another challenge with the learning community is, like you said, doesn't work at scale and if you have a vision for what that could be then sticking to that and not just kind of following well accounts. in the absence of values um, it'll all just boil down to all decisions just boil down to money and yeah. then if decisions just boil down to money then you never really create anything that's special or meaningful um, so so yeah I think particularly with learning it's mm-hmm. about creating um, good connections and having a good community of trust I think one of the things I was going to mention about the online thing is just um us being conscious of all the noise out there, there's a lot of um, you know, courses out there, there's a lot of um, content out there, there's information being posted up every day about startups in particular and uh, technology, but then I think the challenge we face is trying to kind of filter that out so that people who come on the course don't get bewildered. And I suppose if you're trying to create any kind of learning, then you want to make sure that whilst people have access to as much information as possible, you're not bombarding them with just too much stuff. Yeah, not everyone has the time to, to research and filter and search, look through everything that need, and pick the one things that they need to read. Uh, and the more that you can... Well, what we're trying to do is help people who are time poor mm-hmm. and need that extra... Or trust our judgment. And yeah. Trust what we're going to give them is the right stuff. 
because otherwise, yeah, you, you, you'd run the risk of reading the wrong things all the time and then it's yeah. a wasted effort. I think the bit I found interesting kind of looking at all the different stuff we've done around learning is um, the further along people are, the less the structure they need. So yeah. people at the really early stage, um, you know, generally need a bit more hand-holding, which is no surprise. And so they're looking for guidance in terms of which tools to use, you know, which books to read um, and what process to follow. Um, the event like Aptitude and maybe even Summer Camp is more about actually Emergent the connections learning. immersion learning in, in Alex's words um, where you know what you're interested in is more self-directed I suppose you kind of you don't need people to tell you what to do you kind of work out what to do based on what your need is and sometimes no one knows what to do yeah and that's why discussing it together you come up with the actual real plan because you use a little bit of everyone's knowledge to then find what the actual thing it should be yeah I think it's also flipping the learning model so it's more about asking questions rather than just kind of hearing the answers before you've asked the question yeah you, no, the world has got so complicated that it's very hard to be an expert in everything yeah. and even the experts in one particular field don't know all the answers mm -hmm. and until they've actually um, known your you know it's particularly for startups unless there's a whole thing about mentors and who's the right mentor it's actually you can't say just because someone's done it in a certain way and been successful that they're a good mentor for you. They yeah. need to know your context. They need to know what you're trying to do. And so it doesn't mean success breeds wisdom. No. You need to, you need to basically talk to these people uh, and find out more about them. Um, there was quite interesting there was this program on last night about the difference in Chinese and UK education. Okay. Where they basically paired up uh, Chinese teachers with UK kids and just trying to get them to understand the Chinese method for education is very different, very kind of traditional in terms of their um, approach and just kind of completely went over the kids' heads. Okay. So very much based on reciting and memory, really. Just, yeah, you know, there's a lot of that. Facts, so like, you know, doing... That's why Chinese kids are so good at maths. Tri trigonometry, they just absorb, they just assume if, you, if you're taught something, you'll write it down and you'll remember it. Whether you still remember it a month later. Well, there's a thing about, there's certain things that you... That you there's a baseline of knowledge. So like with maths, there is a level of repetition that you need to do before you can get to understand There's the rules. The rules. Yeah. But when you get to a certain level and you want to use, you want to use the rules to your advantage, there's no necessary, there's no cookbook as to mm -hmm. what success is. It's like with business, you know, there's probably some basics about business, like cash flow and taxes, whatever it is. But when it comes to making a successful business, there's no specific rule book for that. I think the bit some of the kids struggle with is just why, you know, why am I doing this? This is no use to me, you know. Well, and then maybe that is something that's missing in terms of just yeah. the context of how this could be useful. That's, and I think that's the interesting thing about Alex's Learning 3.0 model in terms of project-based learning. I think a lot of free schools are trying to do this, mm. is rather than just tying everything down to a specific topic, you have a project, yeah. and then you learn what's necessary to complete that project, whether it's history, whether it's maths, whether it's writing better English, I don't know yeah. what it could be. So I, th I know um, Alex is uh, one of his children's at this school called Luminar, and it's basically set up by Ricardo Semler, who started, uh, well, took over Semco, uh, his father's company, and if you haven't read the book Maverick, and a second one called Seven Day Weekend, definitely check those out. Um, it's actually a great TED talk that he did not too long ago, I think about a year ago, um, around... So do you have a seven-day weekend to get a four-hour work week? Uh, yeah, that's another podcast, I think. Um, 
but yeah, the TED Talk was really around his model for education and what he's learned from building a democratic company and applying that to education. But yeah, again, it's all around, like I said, projects and more self-directed learning. They don't have subjects like you might have in the UK. Um, and like you said, there's some free schools in the UK that are adopting that model too. Um, so yeah, check out that TED Talk. It's, it's great. I don't think you throw away the kind of uh, pedagogical, but anyway, traditional. teaching traditional learning, uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily work all the time. So you need to have a bit of bit of both. There's different approaches with different types of different types of students, but mm-hmm. also different types of topics and different things that you're going to learn. Really. Yeah, I think you quoted a great line from Arthur C. Clarke in that talk, and it basically said, um, "When there's interest, education happens." So. Yeah. It's really, you know, before that point, I found it even with my kids, if they're not interested in it, it just goes over their head. Right. The second that there's any spark of interest, then they get hungry for that you know, yeah. knowledge. But I think the key to all of this is, is trying to create this thirst for learning mm-hmm. because it's in a world that's always changing and also a world that's fascinating. There's so many things out there. Wanting to learn more, wanting to yeah. know what's out there because by learning more, you become more creative and more innovative because you can put that learning together in different ways to create new things. I think it's kind of, well, I know for me, it was almost unlearning some education and it took me a long time to rediscover a love of learning, I suppose, and finding something I was passionate about, topics I was passionate about. Um, some people love, like we talked about, lifelong learning. People like, you know, some people go straight from uni into reading books and just absorbing everything around them. Other people like me kind of maybe had a bit of a sabbatical from education and then found something they were really passionate about. Because I think for me it's about, it's like being forced to do something, you just lose interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's done a Spanish GCSE recently at the age of 40, and uh, before that she'd been studying on her own. Oh, she looks 21. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, she'll love me for that. Um, will you? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she taught herself for about a year, and then, then she started doing this GCSE just to have some structure, and then quite quickly realised she wasn't enjoying it anymore because she had to do things. It was almost like, you know, I work all day and now I have to do this. Um, and that's quite interesting in terms of, you know, that carrot and stick, I suppose. You yeah. feel like there's too much stick and you kind of just feel like you're back at school again. I think it's, it's, um, it needs to be intrinsically motivated, as yeah. you say. And that also comes from creating some kind of habit. Because with things like, particularly learning a language, it is daily practice. Yeah. And you can't get away from that. And that's why sometimes... Well, that's how exams work, is that it gives you a target to reach for... But she was doing it daily anyway. So she, yeah. was, she had the bug. She was, like, you know, almost obsessed by it. And then I think just... So there was, it was need the, to do the GCSE. But I think... Yeah, no, I don't think there was any need to do it. But I think it was more the, the feeling of, like, I'm doing this because I want to versus I'm doing this because I have to. Yeah. And then I think that's just that shift. Then you suddenly... The pressure. Like, yeah, you start to feel like, ah. Oh. The more pressure you're under, the less creative you're going to be, the less relaxed you're going to be, and so the less learning you're going to do really. yeah okay so, so yeah. Um, in conclusions then in conclusions <laughs> so um, what are learning communities um, to us well to, I think well one thing that we've been trying to tap into like I said is just trying to create a global scalable learning community engaged engaged as well and I think that's the thing is there needs to be engagement there needs to be um, emergence there needs to be interest there needs to be a safe environment there needs to be a shared uh, ideally share a set of values I think, yeah. or certainly where people feel trustworthy, uh, they can trust the people they're learning with. Well that's the whole thing, we're either happy we're a startup and we're a school startups are unpredictable there's no, there's no one answer on how to build a startup and that's why it needs a new way of learning 
we need to cultivate uh, a community that has aligned values and that's why the happiness is in there but we still need to learn yeah. that's why we're a school so and I think it's that community piece which is so key really is the collaboration not looking at it as we're all fighting for the same turf we're yeah. all trying to look better than each other we're all trying to look like we've got you know kind of we're all winning and someone else is losing I think showing vulnerability and the willingness to say look I don't know I don't know the answer yeah. who's, got, who's got the answer for me who's out there who can help and admitting that well you're reading that book Abundance yes and so yeah there's lots of stuff out there that everyone can gain so yeah exactly it's kind of depends on your view of the world I suppose who's it by again Peter I can't pronounce his surname but he's <laughs> um, he also wrote a book called Bold and it's um, yeah he's behind the SpaceX prize and he's also behind Singularity University okay um, kind of you know big bold moonshot um, thinker but, um, but yeah, he's looking at things like 3D technology and um, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and looking at actually the future is a lot better than we think. Yeah. And if you read the press and, read, and see the media, you kind of have a much more pessimistic view of the future. Our success is not limited. Yeah, our success is not limited, but also it's about being collaborative and the whole idea of yeah, collaborative consumption. Uh, versus capitalism. So let's consume knowledge collaboratively and learn oh, in the community. Like <laughs> yes, this is our new strap line. Not a bit of jargon there anyway. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. I uh, yeah. hope you, that was useful and interesting. Yep. And just who's interested, we've got our next homeschool starting in September. Um, the URL is home.thehappystartupschool.com. Um, and also, yeah, if any of you happen to be in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, at the end of August, then I'll be there for a week with Alex at Learning Camp and obviously our summer camp in September too. Yeah. Well, catch you later. Cool. Thanks.